0: All right, guys, welcome back. We are happy to have you here. As you can see, we're light one person. But this is Matt. Oh, yeah, I forgot that this is backwards. This is Matt over here. And I'm getting lost in my background. Here it is. And then and then Ben is here. Maybe it's probably totally different, but so I have my thing on and in order to get this soul, see, I can't even do it in order to get this sola Grata, Solar Christus here. Like you have to make it so that your mirroring is flipped and it is, it's like trying to draw, like drive a helicopter. If you've ever done that, I haven't personally. So it might be nothing like that, but it could be exact. Like that's the way you know, like where you like pull the whole thing's inverted. So you're like, all right, if I pull back, I'm going to go up. And if I push down, I'm going to go down. But this way, it's like all backwards. So I have no clue what's even going on. But as you can see, there is only three of us, Matt, Ben, and myself. So now we don't have to worry about messing up, you know, which Mike we're talking about. But every time we talk bad about a mic on the Bible study, you can guarantee that we're talking about <laughs> a hussy as opposed to me. Uh, but we're really happy. I guess this is kind of bittersweet because we're not really happy that Mike's not here with us. Well, maybe some of I don't want to speak for either of you, but maybe you are. But Mike's not here with us to just let you guys know. He's actually on sabbatical and he's been on sabbatical, but he decided to come back last week and record with us. But this week, it wasn't his birthday yesterday, too. So maybe we should like maybe we should sing happy birthday to him. No, that's not gonna happen. But Mike, (laughs) happy birthday, dude. And uh we miss you and we hope that you come back, but in the meantime. Uh, We're going to continue to forge ahead, and today we find ourselves back in James chapter 4. We're going to do the second half of this passage. Uh, Last week we read uh, verses 1 through 6. Well, today we're going to read verses 6 through 12 to just kind of give us a little refresher of... um, what took place because we remember that that verse six was, uh, the main gospel as we kind of left. So now we're going to like start with that gospel and continue down through this passage. So, uh, we hope that you're doing well, you people who are listening and, uh, we're encouraged that you guys decided to tune in. Uh, we would like to kind of cultivate a little bit of interaction with you guys. So once again, we're still looking for a name for us. If, if you can think of one, uh, comment in the in the post below but otherwise like if we're coming to the end of james and i can't speak for the rest of these guys but i would love to continue on with what we're doing uh and so we'll need to move on to something after this so if you'd like a if you'd like us to study a specific book or um Something that you feel like you'd like us to talk about, post that in the comments too. We'd love to hear from you. And then if you have any prayer requests too, like one of the best things that I've loved about this is uh, the interaction that I've had with other people in your congregations uh, and tuning in on Facebook live and like making comments and um talking to different people about how much they appreciate the Bible study and stuff like that. So we know that the word's getting out, and we're really encouraged by that. And so we want to continue to do that and encourage you guys, uh, the listeners who are tuning in. So today, like we said, uh, if you got your Bibles, we'd encourage you to open up to James chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 12. But before we get started with reading uh, the Word of God, Ben's going to open us in a word of prayer.
1: All right. The Lord be with you
0: and also with you. with
1: you let us pray blessed lord you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning grant that we may so hear them read mark learn and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through jesus christ our lord amen
0: amen thank you ben all right um Matt, we're going to ask you to read our passage for today, please. All right.
2: So James chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, and we'll go through verse 12. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor?
0: Nice. Thank you, Matt, for reading that. So um, we can just kind of look at verse six as our recap before we get into this. Um, I'm super encouraged to hear that um, that passage about how God gives more grace. And we really hit upon that a lot last week. And so if you'd like to listen, I encourage you to go back and listen to, Um, the broadcast that we did from last week where we really, uh, ended upon that verse where God gives more grace. And that's a tremendous thing to think about in our lives. So I'll kind of open it up to you guys. Is there anything that, that, uh, you guys want to share about that passage, uh, when it comes to the idea of God giving us more grace and that God, uh, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble.
2: I just want to point out, I guess, that this is a a great verse for kind of summarizing uh, not only a great passage of grace, but also kind of showing us what this uh, greater set of passages is about, the surrounding verses, that it's really um, contrasting those who are proud and haughty with those who are humble and broken, and, and showing that God is against those who are proud and haughty um and but he is with those, he is he is pouring out his love and grace on those who are humble and broken. And, and we're going to see that over and over. I think this also really gives us a great um, thing to focus on because in the book of James as as has been mentioned in the past Bible studies, there's a lot of law. There's a lot of heavy stuff. there's a lot of do this, don't do that and and convicting things. And yet I think that this shows us that the, the real heart of our Lord is one that is gracious. And and all of this, even though the, maybe the times that James shares about grace are maybe fewer, um, they are very sweet and they are actually all, uh, they are the purpose of, of these verses to point us to the grace of God because that's what God wants to show and all of the law is really trying to prepare us for that. So I hope we can hang on to that as we get through some tough verses here that are very convicting to me, I know, and I think to to you probably as
1: well.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, thank you for sharing that with us too. Uh, that was actually the perfect length of time to, to share because I had a parishioner that literally just showed up and dropped something off foot our front steps and my dog just went nuts so i'm glad that you were talking because then it would have just been all this crazy downtime (laughs) uh with me just being like (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm really i'm happy that you brought that up great points too i i I really like how you kind of offset those two and and hopefully we'll be reminded of this as we continue to traverse through uh the these passages um because they are important too. like, uh, like to go through these passages are really important because it, it allows the law to do what it does best. And so as we go through these passages, we're going to see that and the law is going to bring us to a point of feeling like, man, we're, we're terrible people or, Oh man, I fall short in, in this way and that way and the other way. And And the good news is, is that instead of us feeling like, man, I do all that, but I have nowhere to go. And you just kind of like, you like wallow in that, in that uh, conviction of the law. And if you left a person in that man, they, they would just, they would fall apart. They, they would crumble. Um, But the good news is is that we have the gospel, which does uh, the encouraging portion of it. So as we, as we go through these passages, know that the gospel is, is never far behind and, uh, that we'll continue to bring it in and kind of show you how, yep, we, we fall short in this part, but the good news is that Christ succeeded. And because of faith, um, we succeed, uh, because he imparts that, uh, What's the word? He imparts that success. There you go. He imparts, I almost said secession, but secession is not the right word. He imparts his success onto us, which is great. All right. So let's go into verse seven. Um, it says, submit yourself, therefore, to God, uh, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, two very interesting sentences that when taken out of context can really do some damage to be honest. So, um, so before we started uh, recording, Ben brought up something great about this word submit. And I'm going to actually encourage him to to share that with us because I think that it brings a different flavor. Because when we hear the word submit, we we think like do it, like submit, you do it. But the Greek in this is, is different. So, Ben, why don't you share that with us?
1: All right. So uh, the Greek. Word here that's translated submit is hupatageta. So if you're, uh, if our listeners want some extra points, they can take the Greek test and we'll see how they do with all the words that we mentioned, but uh, hupatageta. So anyways, the, the interesting thing about it is that again, as Mike, as you are saying, we hear that word submit and we hear, a direct command to us to be active in doing something like in, in English, generally speaking, when we hear commands or imperatives, it's um, the emphasis of the action is on the one who's being commanded. Right? So we hear do this and we think, okay, I'm being told to actively do something. Right. But in, <clears throat> in the Greek here, it's actually a passive imperative, which is kind of a hard thing to for us to wrap our minds around. Cause again, we think imperative equals action. And yet it's passive to the one who's being commanded. And so it's almost like um, be submitted to God. And it, and so then we kind of have that question, well, how, how can I passively obey a command? Right. So, um, yeah. And so I think when we try to think about that, that it's not, it's not, something that, you know, God is telling us, you know, you, you know, we ourselves, you know, be active and submit, but, but it's also something It's something that God is doing to us that, that this submission uh, to God is not coming from ourselves and our own strength and our own power, but it is something that God is doing uh, to us and enabling us to keep that, uh, to fulfill that command Um, kind of in a, perhaps in a similar way in which we are commanded to believe in Christ and believe in the gospel. And yet we cannot on our own, but God himself brings the fulfillment of that requirement. So I think that 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 could help us perhaps as we think about this, that it's not just a a straight active command, but there is that passive nature to it.
2: And if you're wondering kind of why this is so important, this, uh, this really is something uh, that, I've uh, struggled with personally in my life, uh, and and I think a lot of other people have as well, because there's been some teachings thrown around that have, I think, abused this or misunderstood it and and promoted some different ideas, and uh, some of the phrases that were said to me a lot, you know, growing up were, you know, have you made Jesus Lord of all of your life? And have you fully submitted every area of your heart, every area of your life, and and really this um, it's it's so similar because it's it's uh, something worse you know that's supposed to happen in us that um, we're being told is important that we we surrender or submit or or whatever. Um, but the emphasis that I had heard, or at least that I had understood, um, in in the past was. Was something that was very much like I had to go into my life, and uh, and submit every area, and 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 somehow I had to take Jesus and place Him as Lord over every area of my heart and my mind and all of these things, and certainly, you know, we we want to uh, put our trust in Jesus as our Lord, and we are told to um, be submitted to Him, right? But the I think where things got off the rails was the fact that this was being put all on me, uh, not only as my responsibility, but as if I could do it and, and that only I was the one to be working on it. And what I was missing in all of that is that this is, even though it's a hard thing, and even though it's a command, it's something that God is going to work on us. And even as we go through this and we hear these things, you, what you can picture is that God is coming in and breaking up your stony heart. This is like He is crushing the this cement slab. He's breaking it up. He is humbling you through these hard words of law, um, and uh, and it's supposed to happen in us. We need it to happen in us. But God will also be there working in us to. To uh, bring this about through um, through the work of His Word in our heart, and so I hope you are encouraged by that this thought then that that God is active in this process.
0: Nice, yeah. I I really I think that that takes a lot of stress off of people, you know. Uh, and we talked about how the law. If we sit in the law, we kind of wallow in it, but then. There is a sense of when the gospel comes in, when we see this act of submission, almost in a in a way of sanctification, where God is doing the work. He's we're a work in progress. I love the idea of like chiseling away the the rock. Uh, of the the heart. And I I love that. I've I've heard um, sanctification being uh, illustrated as like a person who takes a, a lump of wood in their hand and they whittle it away until it's exactly what they wanted it to. And it's been in there, but only the whittler was able to kind of work the wood in the way that it should have been in order to bring out exactly what was meant to be there. And so I, I love that that illustration. And I think about this idea of submitting and I think about how here in a sense of we could hear this as law, submit yourself to the Lord. Okay, what do I have to do? And if we, we try and we try and we try and we fail and we fail and we fail, then all we do is wallow. That's it. We're stuck in it. As opposed to if we experience it from the realm of the gospel where God is going to do this in us then the great part is, is that then we get to bask in the gospel. And and that's a tremendous thing to think about. The difference between wallowing and basking is, is such a tremendous um, uh, dichotomy, I guess, that, that it really makes a huge difference between law and gospel, that you can see it. Like if you sit in one, man, it's tough. But once you experience both, in secession to each other in perfect balance, then you're experiencing it and it's tremendous. You get to bask in that submission. Okay. So, so what about this idea about resisting the devil and he will flee from you? What like, so I just have to try a little bit harder to resist the devil and he's going to go away. Um,
1: before we get to that thing back up. Yeah. Uh, just for a moment. Cause there's, you're kind of touching on this a little bit too, but there are kind of two different ways you can hear that, you know, that submit. So, you know, if, we are comfortable in our, in our sin, you know, and sin is rebellion against God, then, then this word comes as a harsh, you know, a harsh command, submit to God. You know, you are not, um, you're not your own person. You are not the authority. God is, you need, you know, and it goes along with the call to humble yourself, you know, under God. Um, But we can also, you know, and Mike, you're talking about this, too, as well, you know, we can end up kind of stuck there if we're already beaten down and we recognize that we are, that we are sinful and, you know, we can kind of get stuck in this endless loop of have I submitted enough and Matt was, was touching on this, talking about this as well. Um, I think if we remember, you know, the same kind of thing with, you know, when we hear the command to obey god that we're called to obedience and if we remember that the highest really the highest obedience is to trust god it is to trust his promise and regard him as trustworthy um and i think that that's true also with submission that the highest form of submission to god is trust in his promise um and you know and to trust him that he gives more grace and so and so what uh I guess we could say another way that the greatest submission or the chief submission is that of repentance and faith to acknowledge our sin and trust God's promise that he forgives us. That is first and foremost, what we are called to because without repentance and faith, without repentance and faith, there is no way that we can submit in any other way to God, um, to any command that he gives us. And so the first and chief way that we are to submit to God is to, Uh, repent of our sins that is to feel you know that contrition to acknowledge that we are sinful to say the same thing God does um, about our sin that it's actually sin and we are sinful and we deserve God's wrath and also then to trust his promise because sometimes we get off track with that where we get the the contrition part oh man messed up again I realize I'm a sinner but we supply the second part as well now I got to do better and I got to work at this and I got to make it up to God but that's not uh, that's not biblical repentance biblical repentance is that sorrow over sin that acknowledgement of sin and then also faith in the promise of God and so that is uh, the chief way that we submit to God
0: nice yeah thanks for bringing that up cuz i think i think that that's going to play a role too ben as we move through the rest of this passage that this is if we see this as like the chief, the pinnacle, if you will, of what's going on, then the rest of this kind of falls in line with that. So the next line, resist the devil and he will flee from you. What's up with that? Like, just think, try, try to resist and you're good.
2: Well, I think that it's easy to take it that way. And, and mm-hmm. then we could be like, well, man, I just, I keep failing at this and uh, and the devil keeps having his way with me and uh, he's stronger than me and I can't, you know, what, uh, the devil made me do it, you know, and uh, I I couldn't do anything about it. I wasn't strong enough to resist him or, or we delude ourselves into thinking that we are. Mm-hmm. But I think that maybe what would be helpful, too, is when we connect this sort of uh, with what Ben was saying, I guess, uh, thinking about the idea of uh, faith. Who are we putting our faith and trust in? Who are we following? Mm-hmm. Who, whose words are we going with? Um, I think a big part of this is, um, is acknowledging that when, when we sin and we um, embrace our sinful desires and, and we go with it, and when we don't trust in the Lord, what we are doing is we're putting our trust in the devil, and, um, and so we are going in his way. We're following his words and his lies, and I mean, because think about it. He, he tells us to please ourselves to seek our own good, right? And and he like that's what he did with Adam and Eve. Hey, this is going to benefit you guys. You should just eat that fruit. And mm-hmm. and God doesn't know what's best for you. Go go your own way. Trust yourself. Please yourself. Serve yourself. Lead yourself. But really, when you do that, when when you give into these temptations, you are actually following the devil and his way and And so when when we're being told to resist the devil, I think part of what we're supposed to understand is that we are to not embrace his way and his words. And even though we are not strong enough on our own to actually um, to actually you know totally reject him or totally be obedient to the Lord, it's not as if we can. We can totally resist the devil and totally obey God in our own strength. I don't think that's the point. I think that we're being told, don't trust the words of the devil. Devil, You need to call those lies and even admit, I have been giving into them. Mm. And, and so that's what the resisting is, is actually repentance and, and calling a lie a lie. And, and recognizing that the end of this way is in destruction. It comes from hell. This is the way of the devil. And but then the comforting part of this is this promise that when we resist, when we recognize that way is wrong, then the Lord is there to make the devil flee. Mm. He He promises that the devil will go away, and I don't believe that that part is our work, because as we, um, it's kind of like this humbling yourself as we um, we recognize what sin is and we call it sin. Uh, When we call the devil's way, the devil's way, and that it's wrong, then the Lord is there to protect us and cast the devil away. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have understood that differently, but.
0: uh, That's good stuff. Should we move on or you got something, Ben?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I'm just checking them. Okay.
0: So, um, so we'll, we'll move on to the next part. Uh, So verse eight. It says, so now here's another one. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then we have that, the the second part too, where it says then cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we, we kind of have, here's like two verses in a row where it's like, submit yourself therefore to the Lord, resist the devil and he will free from you, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what's going on here? What What is this idea of drawing near to God and he will draw near to you?
2: I don't know if you have anything you want to say, Ben. Uh, but I think, as I think about drawing near to God, I think that... Um, this is an interesting thing that God is saying this to us through through James. Right. And um, it's a command, but it's also uh, something that I, I find to be somewhat encouraging. Um, I don't know if this is exactly the same, but I connected to something that one of my professors, Pastor Haugen, said to me, you know, with some of these imperatives that we have in scripture that actually have a good end. And I don't know if this could be really called a gospel imperative because it definitely has some, some law aspect of it here. But, but when uh, he, he gave this example, like if somebody said to you, Hey, sit down at this feast and eat this great meal, you wouldn't be like, Hey buddy, stop bossing me around or that's too hard. (laughs) Right. You know, um, the, the fact that is that um even that God is saying here, uh, draw near to God, the fact that 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 isn't even an option shows I think that God is desiring um for us to come to him, and I think we do have to understand that in this situation, even with these law commands that that um, that God is coming and working um to for our good in the midst of these commands for us.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I like to like, uh, that idea about sit down at this feast and eat, uh, also because when God is telling us, you know, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. I think about like the length that God went to in order to make that possible too. So like, think about that. Like when Christ died on the cross, um, I think I might have froze. Am I frozen? Yeah,
2: just for a second.
0: For a second. Okay. So um, when Christ died on the cross, one of the things that happened was that the veil was ripped in two from top to bottom. And that signified that now, uh, because of Christ's sacrifice, we can have... um, a connection with God, a direct connect, essentially. And that's really important to remember, especially in this passage where it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Think about what God did in order to make that possible. You know, he He died so that we could experience that togetherness, the ability to get close to him, which is great. Ben?
1: Um uh, yeah, a couple of things bounce back to the resist the devil part, I think that um also, so I was looking something up, so i'm not maybe I'm repeating something that that you said but <laughs> um, it is a comfort to the christian right that that we are not powerless against the devil you know, and certainly we're not trusting in our own strength, but you know we have the Holy Spirit. Um, we have been given the Holy Spirit. We are united with, with Christ. And, you know, the devil is a defeated foe who must flee, you know, the power of Christ and the one in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. Um, and so that can be a great comfort to us that so we aren't stuck in the midst of, of temptation. Um, we are called then in faith to resist Satan, to fight against him. And we are given the promise that he will flee again as was mentioned, not because we're so awesome, but because of the God who has saved us and indwells us. Um, And with that drawing near, again, I think, you know, we could think of it also as invitation, which is kind of what I think you guys are getting at too, that, you know, that's not, it's not, um, you know, God cracking the, cracking the whip, you know, draw near to me, you know, you stubborn, you know, foolish person. I'm going to yell at you until you, Come close to me, but he's inviting us, you know. And again, we ask the question, you know, well, how do how do we do that? How is it that we draw near to God? Well, repentance and faith, once again. Um, and so, I think we need to come back to that because um, I think a lot of times, just in our own natural way of thinking, we think, okay, you know, what are, you know, what's the, you know, the ten-step plan to draw near to God? Kind of a Kind of a thing, you know, and it's not, um, it's not us picking us up by our boot ourselves up by our bootstraps, and you know, under our own strength and striving, you know, oh God, I finally made it near to you. And as long as I, as long as I make enough motions in the right direction, God's going to come to me. No, He's already there with His invitation. Draw near to me, and He will indeed draw near to us.
0: Nice. Oh yeah uh, Go
2: And just to, i don't know um if i should be connecting this uh or how closely i should be connecting this to this passage but i think of when it tells us uh, in scripture that uh the word of god is near to you and 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 thinking too of even the it, of how jesus came to earth he came to us and so even the idea of us you know drawing near to him uh, the lord is right there he has he has come to us and um and yet um, he doesn't want us to be stiff arming him and running away uh, I think another maybe a a beautiful picture that we can connect with this is uh the prodigal son you know the 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 father wanted that prodigal he didn't want that prodigal son to ever leave but he really wanted him to come back and he was out searching for him. But that prodigal son, um, recognizing the futility of his ways and and everything and returning home, you know, what did he find as he drew near to his father? He saw that his father was seeking him out and he was waiting to bring him in and bless him. And and so I think that's a, a beautiful picture that maybe we could connect to this passage here.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. And knowing that, that kind of answers the um, second portion of chapter 8, which is, you know, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And the answer to that is how? And it, it, it it's what you said, Ben. It, it's faith, you know, uh, that our faith gives us the ability to realize that God is there with us. And that he is the reason why we can cleanse our hands and purify our hearts, right?
2: Yeah, I think we see you know really strongly in in scripture that what what it is that actually cleanses us right it, it's It's the blood of Jesus, it's the work of God, it's the baptismal waters washing our sin away. it's the work of God graciously in us, but, but this is exposing the fact that we really need this. Mm. And, and, uh, and this idea too, of the hands and hearts that that's, uh, drawing our attention to the, uh, both the actions. I mean, we're the hands represent what we do. Right. And, and so, um, uh, it's all of the outward things, but also it's, it's drawing our attention to our hearts that both, uh, in, in our actions and also in our thoughts, intentions, and desires that we uh, have sinned. We are sinners and we need to be washed inside and out. And, um, and that's something that has to happen. And so we're being commanded to, to draw attention to our need there. Um, Mm. And the way the law works too, um, that we see throughout scripture is that we're being told uh, we have to do things and that things have to happen in us or to us or with us. But, but that doesn't always mean that we can do it. You know, if I uh, so like even going back to what was commanded to Cain and Genesis and all the way on, you know, these things that we're told to do. Well, some people would say, well, we wouldn't be told that we have to do it unless we actually could do it. So let's endeavor to like do this. And, but the thing is, is that we can't and we don't. And when we don't, then we, uh, if we actually are honest about it, we realize that we haven't. And then we feel terrible. And then we either we either foolishly think again that if I just try harder, maybe this time I can do it. But the fact is, as Scripture tells us, if we've screwed up once, we've messed the whole thing up. We're guilty of everything. and But it's just futile to think that in our own strength, we can do this. But when we are commanded this, we do need to recognize that God has a standard of absolute perfection and that we are to, to look at that and see that that's still the standard God holds, but that we have failed and, and we have failed in both what we have done uh, or left undone as we, we talk about, but also in our heart, we have sinned against the Lord and our neighbor and, and we need to be washed clean and cleansed. And, and so, if this has to happen and we can't do it, we are, we are forced to look outside of ourselves then for help. And that's what God is trying to lead us to do, is to look elsewhere for that help. And we've been getting clues where that help comes from, uh, but it's not in us. Because again, what we've done and what's in us is actually corrupt.
0: Yeah, one of the uh, passages, so as you bring that up, one of the passages that I always think of is one where people um, really only read a portion of it because of how convenient it is, and that's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, where it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And usually people stop there. And they're like, okay, that's good. God God won't tempt me beyond what I can bear. But the important part is the second portion, which is what you're trying to get at, Matt, in this in this passage, where it says, but when you are tempted, notice it doesn't say like, but if you are tempted. It literally says, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, Now, that's totally a different flavor, because it's not saying, well, God won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. But it literally says, but when you are tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide a way out. Not you're forced to figure it out, but that he's providing that way out for you. And that's uh, I, I that's straight gospel right there, that he's providing that way out so that you can endure it. And I think that's tremendous. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, ben, did you want to hop in or you want to move on to verse 9? All right, sweet. Oh, so let's go. go. Okay, so uh, verse 9 says, um, Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Ouch. So for the rest of this Bible study, there will be no smiling whatsoever. We will take this seriously. There will be no laughing or any of that. Speaking of which, do you guys think I say the word laugh weird?
2: I didn't notice. Somebody's
0: <laughs> like, Man, you really say laugh. And I was like, I don't think I say laugh, but maybe I do. I don't know. The New England has given me this like speech crazy thing. I went out to the Midwest and I learned how to like <laughs> speak proper and then I moved to New England and now I drop off my R's at the end of words, add R's where they shouldn't be. It's but that's assimilation right there in, in a nutshell. So, all right. Um, so yeah, what, what do we think about that? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Ugh. Well,
2: this sounds really, um, depressing. And, yeah. uh, and I think s- what some people have done with this is they've uh, said, well, James, man, he, he's just telling us to be some pretty sad, sorry people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think probably they, they do that, uh, well, maybe because they just don't understand what he's getting at, but maybe also to kind of dismiss what he's actually getting at. Um, And, but he's not really telling us to have, uh, you know, just a a life that is full of nothing but sadness, doom and gloom, and, and, uh, and hopelessness uh, at all. That's, that's not his point, but this is actually um, more specific than that. And it's in regards to the things that we've been talking about that, that we're to, um, in looking at our heart and what our hands have done and looking at um, these issues the, where we've sinned in our pride and selfishness, that we're to look at that and really like let ourselves be broken by that convicting word. And we should allow the, the, the word of the Lord to penetrate us and break us down to the point where we are sobbing over our sin, I don't know when the last time you guys cried over your sin was, uh, and you don't need to answer that. And I'm saying that to all of you who are listening, but that's something that that the Lord is trying to lead us to. Actually, is a brokenness over sin, that contrition that we were talking about earlier, and. Um, you know because we can become so cold and callous to this and oh yeah I know I'm a sinner I know I'm not perfect nobody's perfect god doesn't expect us to be perfect whatever there's we say all these things or we think these things we and, and we can even kind of become hopeless. Well, I know I'm going to screw up and, uh, and so I'm just going to do it again because I'll screw up and it'll be fine because there's grace or, you know. But we, what we really need to understand is these sins are vile and corrupt and they are following the way of the devil. And, and if we continue to embrace them with a cold, callous heart, we will, we will walk ourselves right to hell. And, and we need to recognize how offensive they are that we are um, we are rejecting God and His Word, what is truly good and right and pure. But we're also, on top of all of that, we're rejecting His loving grace that He is offering to us uh, to those who are repentant and and humble, um, because we we stop thinking we need it or we just don't care about it anymore. And so, you know, uh, maybe if you're not feeling Contrition over your sins. Maybe you need to go back and more honestly look at these things that we've been talking about, and let them hurt you. You know, sometimes when we think about discipline, uh, like even parenting and stuff, uh, um, you know, discipline needs to to hurt a little bit, doesn't it? It needs to actually be something that that we feel the the burn of. Um, I'm not, um, uh, you know, promoting any kind of abuse or anything. I know some people try to take it that way, uh, either promoting it or accusing people of that. But honestly, if if a discipline doesn't hurt, you know, like if you try timeouts or you try uh, taking something away or taking a privilege, if if something like that doesn't work, if if you don't care, if 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 you're like, hey, whatever, then um, then that discipline isn't isn't having its effect intended effect, right? This is supposed to sting. And, and that's what God is trying to, to do in us. Um, I know when I was a kid, I was such a brat. I, I must have been terrible. I, my parents sent me on a timeout, and, uh, and, and I don't know, they, they gave me some time that I was going to be in the corner or alone in my room or something like that. And I said, I don't care. I'm happy you're sending me there because at least you won't be there. And uh, I mean that was horrible, and uh, and and so you know maybe the Lord still used that situation to actually break me, and still I'm feeling guilty over it years later. Um, but but that attitude, if we like harden our heart and we're like, I don't care, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel sorry about that. That is a rejection of the Lord's work in humbling us, and then if we don't receive that humbling. Uh, work. We're also not going to be receiving that loving, gracious work that is intended to follow it.
0: Thank you. Uh, I, dude, I resonate with that man. I was a kid that was sent to his beanbag chair more than I care to recall, bro. So that, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. All right. Um. So, so verse ten brings us to this, and it says, "Humble yourself before God." and he will exalt you. So is that similar to submit yourself to God or similar to draw near to God and he will draw near to you? What do you guys think? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Yeah. It kind of brings us back to, to verse six, right? Um,
1: You know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, And, so gather my thoughts for a second. Um, so yeah, this whole, whole kind of stretch here, we have, you know, cleanse your hands, you sinners, you know, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy uh, to gloom. Um, just in thinking about that, like, why, why is it that we can, I don't know, how do I want to say this? Like we can do that. We can mourn over our sin and cry out to God in repentance and humble ourselves before God because he has promised to be gracious to us. He has promised to forgive our sins. You know, it's not as if we, uh, you know, if we have enough tears or, you know, if we repent well enough, then uh, you know, God will forgive us um, because our repentance is never good enough. We can never cry enough tears. We can never weep in well enough or, you know deeply enough um we can never humble ourselves well enough to earn god's uh favor and forgiveness um but we have that promise god doesn't put a you know he doesn't say well if you weep this much or you know if you have this much contrition you know he simply calls us to repent to weep and mourn over our over our sin that is that contrition yeah, I have sinned, and I hate the fact that I have sinned. Yeah, um, God be merciful to me is is a prayer of humility before God, um, in contrition and faith, trusting His promise. It's just like the tax collector um, in that parable that Jesus tells with the Pharisee. You know what does the tax collector say? He says, "God be merciful to me, a sinner." That is the that is the prayer of the contrite. That is the prayer of the one who weeps and mourns over their sin. That is the prayer of the humble um, before God who rests in his mercy and his grace. Um, And so we can hear those words of James then, and we can indeed, you know, weep over our sins, acknowledge, be honest about our sin. we don't have to pretend like it's not as bad as it actually is. No, it's really that bad. And we can, and we can be honest about our sin because God has promised to forgive us.
0: Awesome.
2: I think that if we go back to the, the parable of the prodigal son, too, uh, we think about the, that, that rebellious son who had gone away. And in a way, he was humbled when he was eating slop with the pigs, right? And, and everything. And yet, that's not probably even totally the humility that we're talking about here, because he still was going to go back to his father and try to earn a living wage, like being a servant to his father, Right. And Ben, you and I have had a chance to talk about this uh, in the past, um, as we've thought about all that is tied into this parable. But but one of the things that we've talked about is that that really things start to change for the better when that father speaks graciously to the son, mm-hmm. and and that is when the I think the real change in that son's heart comes, and that's when the blessings still start to really like pour out on this son. Um, because as he's coming back, like, I, I got to try to earn my way back into my father's uh, care and to, to earn a living wage, you know, because, man, I'm eating slop with the pigs right now. You know, then, but to find the, the father is actually, uh, it has a disposition of love and mercy and grace towards him that then can, you know, can really produce that that, uh, humility in you and, uh, and the humility that we're talking about too is one that receives a gift, right? Uh, the opposite of that would be real pride. Like I don't need your gift. I can take care of myself. Right. And, and, uh, um, I'll, I'll go earn my wage elsewhere. Um, but on it, it, you really have to set aside your pride to receive a gift, don't you? And that's, that's what we're talking about. But again, it is initiated by God's um, uh, stance of mercy towards us that is being offered that that invitation drawn near to God. Right. Like we were talking about. Um, I think that that changes everything Uh, you would you wouldn't uh, be able to go with any any um, true humility or confidence uh, to the Lord without his offer of mercy.
0: Yeah, yeah, so good to be reminded of that. That that's so important to to constantly bring us back to that point that God is the one who is doing the work, uh, and that we are the recipients of it, uh, which I think is is tremendous. All right, so now um, verses eleven and twelve kind of go together they, they they talk significantly about pretty much the same thing uh but we'll we'll split it up we'll just read one verse and then we'll read the second verse and we'll kind of bring it on home so uh so verse 11 says this do not speak evil against one another brothers good that that seems like a really good idea i mean i think we could all agree that that's something good The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. What do you guys think uh, James is, or what do you think God is inspiring James to write? This is trying to get across here. There's a lot of, they use judge like what was it? One, two, three, four times in this verse. So obviously maybe judge is important. Yeah. And we,
1: need to be careful in how we speak about judging like judging in what way because it's kind of the you know the favorite verse of everyone who wants to take shots at christians and their you know and what the bible says and so on is oh don't judge me right you know that's not what what james is talking about he's not saying don't call sin sin Um, but the judging that scripture forbids us to do is that kind of arrogant judgment that that, um, basically regards yourself as better than another person. You know, um, I'm not as bad as you. So go back to the Pharisee and the tax collector. God, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector, this horrible sinner here. You know, I do all these things. I tied my mint and my cumin and my dill and blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, his, Yo, his school, I, I
0: would like someone, uh, if anybody from my congregation is listening <laughs> to this, you can definitely leave a special pastoral offering of, what did you just mention, Ben? Just say that again. Mint and cumin and dill. Mint <laughs> Cumin and dill. I will take all of those as a special pastoral offering. Just Matt in
1: will give you all the dill he receives.
0: <laughs> oh, you don't like dill, Matt? Oh, dude. Sorry, guys. That was a little aside. My bad. Keep going, Ben. You're doing great.
1: Uh, okay. So that's that's the kind of judging that that is being spoken of here. The one that that sets uh, sets yourself above above your neighbor as if you are more righteous uh, than your neighbor. Um, and so we're not talking about. Um, calling sin sin because scripture also calls us to judge with right judgment and that is to judge what is actually right and wrong by what God says right and wrong is so so let's not you know we don't want to go into that you know judge not means I can't say anything against you or criticize you in any way but what it's speaking of you know call sin sin but also recognize that you're just as much a sinner as the person you're speaking to so have the humility you know to recognize that you know, you're a fellow sinner speaking to a fellow sinner. You are not, you know, the righteous one speaking to that poor sinner over there. So, so if good. that helps to
0: yeah. clear. Dude, that's that so good. That's so and, good.
2: And this is, this is like what you guys have brought up before uh, in, in past Bible studies about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Right. I mean that, the, the Pharisee, it's like him, him praying, um, standing by himself. Uh, Luke, this is Luke. What? Uh 18, Um, he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get, Hmm. Um, you know, and that's a real judgmental attitude, right? He's like, I'm awesome.
0: It's almost like he's saying like, God, you are lucky to have me on your team. Yeah. Right. That's the way that I read that. He's like God. You should be grateful that that I chose to be on your team, right? Where well, that's yeah. not the case.
2: I mean, this and this is totally opposite of everything that we've been uh, driven towards in in the previous verses. Like this humble attitude of getting rid of haughtiness and pride, mm-hmm. and what we were supposed to be uh, uh, doing, and 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 it was supposed to be the a product in our hearts i guess is this attitude like the tax collector who well, being judged by that pharisee then he said god be merciful to me a mm-hmm. sinner and yeah yeah, yeah. And so
1: and so that's why you know james is saying here if you you know if you judge uh, your brother um you speak evil against the law and judges the law and then he says but if you judge the law you're not a doer of the law but a judge, and I think what he's getting at there is that when we when we have that approach toward our fellow sinners, as if we are righteous and they are not, we have set ourselves above the law. So now, now we are the ones who say what the law is and what it isn't. What is right? What's wrong? Hey, I'm righteous. You're not. You know, I now become, you know, lawgiver and judge. And I stand, you know, and I place myself on the pedestal above everybody else. And James is saying, get off the pedestal because you don't belong there. You belong Down below as a doer of the law, because as he will say in verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge and that is God alone. So when you judge your brother in such a way, you know, you're in such a way as to say I'm righteous and you're not, you essentially are putting yourself in the place of God. And you're saying the law is now mine to dictate what is right and what is wrong. I say, I say this and I say that. And so I declare myself righteous and I declare you unrighteous and I have set myself up, you know, not as one who in humility and submission to god does the law but now i stand as a judge over the law and i am wielding it against my my neighbors and so um i think that's what what james is getting at there
0: real good man ben i i felt that dude like you you went off on that and it was good it was really good Thank you for sharing that. And you transitioned us perfectly into our last verse for today, which says then uh, there is only one lawgiver and judge, and he is able to save, which is, which is important. Like that, that's really important. Remember, like there is only one lawgiver and judge. He's able to save and destroy. A lot of times when, when we judge, we do it to straight up destroy. Like we, we want no form of building up. When we judge other people, it is literally to be like, get to my feet. I want to just destroy you like Thanos's snap, dude, like to dust. And then it says, "But who are you to judge your neighbor?" So, yeah, this is this is uh, this is good stuff. I'll let you guys kind of weigh in, and then I'll do a little. Uh, back stuff and then um i'll close this in prayer so whatever you guys want to share for this last verse go for it
1: all right so i think it's it's good that you you brought the emphasis also to you know that god is able to save and to destroy mike and i think that's important for us to remember it's kind of like what is it matthew 10 i believe where jesus tells us not to uh fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather to fear him who can destroy both body and soul and hell. And the hymn there that Jesus is speaking of is God. And so we, so we need to remember, this is part of the humbling in our, in our arrogance, we ought to remember that God also destroys. Um, he destroys the unrepentant sinner. This is what James says, you know, again, he opposes the proud, mm-hmm. you know? And so if we, if we think that we are so righteous in ourselves, we need to beware and be afraid because God is not mocked. He doesn't say what he says in vain. Uh, And if we in our arrogance spurn God and refuse to be humbled under his, under his law that points out our sin, he comes as the destroyer. Um, And so we do need to remember that. Um, But also, you know, God is the God who saves us and he desires to, to save uh, sinners, and so that is why he calls us to humble ourselves into repentance and faith. So.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that we're supposed to see the contrast between as we are starting to compare ourselves with our neighbor, and we're thinking, "Hey, I've got I've got an edge on you, so I'm above you." Right? We're uh, our attention is being called to the contrast between God. <laughs> and us right mm-hmm. and and uh, we're being put in our place and and we're being shown how amazing God is that he's the only one with that kind of authority and we have no right to mm-hmm. be there and when it asks us who who are you to judge um, I think that 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 shows not only how much less we are than God but I think it calls to mind the fact that that we are people that have been guilty of so much and it calls to mind then other verses that, you know, remind us that, you know, if, if we don't forgive our brother, God will not forgive us. And that we're to remember how much we've been forgiven of. And, and it shows, I think, just how absolutely stupid it is that we would think that we have any right to judge anybody else. Because number one, we are not God. And number two, we, uh, we have been, we are guilty of so much on our own. We have no claim to uh to judge anybody else for their sin because that's just ignoring our own sinfulness and that's a that's a lack of repentance for our own sin um, but I think that as as we consider that and that that is a really humbling thought you know to be put in our place like that, and that takes mm. us down a notch mm. but I think this also shows going back to what Mike was saying that that in all of this, God has a desire to, uh, not only uphold truth and, 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 and have justice, but to give, uh, to give grace. And we don't want to give grace when we are judging other people. And we see this, don't we? As even, as even Christians, we look at unbelievers or people that we deem to be lesser Christians, less sanctified than us. We, we, uh, have such a harsh attitude towards them and we always want to one up them or we want to say critical things about them or we want to tell them that they're bothering us at church, that they should, you know, go fix themselves before they come back into such a holy presence as ours. Right. Uh, you know, we, we get so harsh with people and we forget the fact that God is actually trying to give grace to sinners and we are a part of that. And and those of us who have received his grace should be grateful and humble about that. And then we should also hope that, that our neighbors would receive that grace of God. And we should leave this to God because he's the only one that can judge rightly anyway, mm-hmm. but also that he is the one who is working on our behalf mm-hmm. and, and uh, trying to dispense grace. And, and, and that's too much for us. And, and also, um, we should remember that, man, he, he loved me first. Uh, I hope that he can show love to these other unworthy sinners like me.
0: So, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Matt, for, for bringing that up. And it's great. It reminds me of, um, a phrase that, uh, one of the women who attend our Bible study and who attend our church always, uh, points out. And she says this, um, could you imagine what it would be like to deal with God if he dealt with us in the same way that we deal with others? And as I think about this passage, um, so I, I think that, that it's great, you know, therefore there's only one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. But imagine if God interacted with us in the way that we interact with others. And if we go out and we judge people, which inevitably we're, we're going to do, unfortunately, and it's to destroy and ultimately it's because of our own insecurities of our own, you know, wanting to feel like we are better than ourselves. And that really comes back to Ben, what, what you continued to say uh, in today's study too, where, you know, we need to tell ourselves that we are just as big as sinners as everyone else. And so thanks be to God that he doesn't interact with us the way that we interact with, that the way that we sometimes interact with others in that harshness uh, and that judgmentalness, but instead he does it in a way that says, Hey, I'm doing this because I love you. And because I know that if I bring you to this point, I'm going to be able to save you. And so that's where the Holy spirit comes in. And that's where uh, we, as people who know this truth have a tremendous opportunity to share. And so like, in a way we're being told, you know, not to, not to be the judge, but to point people to the judge, who's the one who's able to save. And I think that that is tremendous gospel for us, that we get the opportunity to be a part of this tremendous opportunity with other people where we can say, Hey, I've been in that spot where you find yourself in today. And I can tell you that the way that I got out of it was because of Christ. Or the way that I got out of it is because God reminded me that verse six, that he gives me more grace. And that's the way that it's changed. Just like in the prodigal son, that's also what brought the the tax collector to come in front of God and say, Hey, I, I got nothing. I, I literally have nothing. And the repayment is grace. And we receive that that grace. And it is, it's tremendous. It's something to bask in, but not just keep to ourselves, but to give to other people. So that's where we're going to end it for today. I'm going to, I'm going to close this in prayer and I'm going to thank you guys. Thank you for uh, the tremendous study today. Uh, and I just pray that it will impact the people and the listeners who hear it as it's impacted me, which is great. So thank you for your sharing. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious heavenly father, we thank you. Um <clears throat> That we can gather here today, that we can hear your word, and that we can uh, experience it. And so, Lord, we just ask that as we go through these passages, that you would um, get to know us a little bit better, and we would get to know ourselves a little bit better too. And Lord, we know that um, we we're going to fall short, and we know that uh, we're going to continue to be tempted and probably make mistakes, Lord. And when we do, remind us that you are the way out continue to chisel our stone heart continue to whittle away from us that which you do not want us to be and lord just continue to remind us that we are not the one who is the judge but that you are the judge because ultimately you are the one who will save and so lord just continue to point us to that truth made possible through your son jesus christ and so lord we lift this time up to you and we pray this in jesus name Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Amen. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, we look forward to next week. Maybe hustle join us. Maybe not happy birthday to Mike Hussey. See you later guys.
1: See ya.